Hey everybody, this is Lex Rofberg, and we're giving a little bit of a preamble before this episode as one of our high holiday episodes. Uh, initially, it was released in 2016 slash 5777, uh, right at the beginning of 5777, as we entered that new year. Uh, but we're re-releasing it this year because we think that these conversations about the Torah readings and Haftorah readings from the high holidays are still relevant. And uh, we didn't re-record new ones. We, As much as our ideas change, they haven't changed so much that we have whole new takes on these texts. But we wanted to put them out there for you anyway to, if you listened the first time, revisit. And if you didn't, uh, to visit for the first time. So we hope you enjoy these and uh, send us whatever feedback you've got at dan at judaismunbound.com or lex at judaismunbound.com. Shana Tova, Happy New Year. This is a special edition of Judaism Unbound, the High Holiday Readings. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dan Levinson. And I'm Lex Rofus. And we're here with a special edition of Judaism Unbound today that actually is putting together a number of shorter pieces that you can find on our website, www.judaismunbound.com, in our special section on the High Holidays. We're going to be talking about each of the traditional readings for the High Holidays and looking at them with a Judaism Unbound perspective to try to find a way to see whether these traditional uh, readings can still be relevant to us today as we potentially look at these holidays in a new way. So now we're going to our next reading, which is the reading for Mincha, the afternoon service of Yom Kippur, and it comes from Leviticus chapter 18. The main ideas here, this is this is a whole list of essentially sexual improper behavior, right, Lexa, that, that is just... Uh, yeah listed yeah. here. You know, at, at the end, it um, says you shouldn't defile yourselves in, in these ways, and, and you should stay away from these kind of, quote, abhorrent practices. The thing that I really wanted to bring attention to um, this, instead of, I think, what often uh, people might try to do, which is to hide it, is to um, focus us on, I think, something that a lot of people don't know, don't realize, that the famous line from Leviticus, the, the anti- uh, homosexuality line, which is uh, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, do not lie with a male as one lies with a woman. It is an abhorrence or an abomination. That is in this chapter. So it's not only that we read this uh, chapter traditionally once a year on the Shabbat when this uh, part of Leviticus comes up, but it's actually read every year uh, a second time on Yom Kippur, um, as part of this uh, reading for the afternoon service of Yom Kippur. And for me, two thoughts went into my head. You know, one is that maybe we shouldn't read that anymore. You know, that maybe, and, and I think that there are uh, many congregations that instead read uh, Leviticus chapter 19, which we'll talk about shortly, but uh, as an alternative, both for positive reasons, there's some good stuff in there, and some uh, sort of negative reasons, right? We don't want to read chapter 18. But for me, at least, the one thing that I would want to put out there as a possibility is that it's actually valuable to be confronted with, in a way, like the worst verse. I don't know if it's the worst. There's some other really bad verses in the Bible. Um, but one of the really <laughs> um, bad verses that we really don't like today and we really think is like profoundly wrong. And, and I think it's interesting to read that every year on this day of atonement from sin, right? And to imagine, and I don't think this is the reason why it was chosen. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was not the reason that it was chosen. But 
it strikes me that a reason that it is still highly relevant is because in a way, this line is one of the great things that Judaism as a culture has to atone for, that we have a line like this in our sacred literature. And I think that it's kind of a, a beautiful idea. You know, I, you know, maybe if we're going to change the readings for Yom Kippur, why don't we like create a collection of all the terrible verses from the Bible that we no longer approve of. And let's read all of them for the Mincha service for Yom Kippur and, and essentially say we atone for having these lines. And nevertheless, just as we can't get rid of the terrible things that we've done in our youth, right? Especially if it may have caused damage to somebody, we can't actually get rid of it. There's, you know, that's one of the great pieces of wisdom that that sometimes what's done is done but we can move forward from them. And so, you know, maybe there's something here. And of course, it's easy for me to say as someone who's not directly affected personally by this line, and I, and I would certainly have great respect for people who would say it's too painful for me to have this line. And, and to tell you the truth, like I walked out of the synagogue when this line was read on, on Shabbat uh, in the most recent year when I realized that was being read. I, I couldn't stay in the synagogue. But on Yom Kippur, I kind of feel like maybe I can read it in a different way and to say, I'm reading this because it is so problematic and hateful. And this is a holiday in which we want to be confronted with the worst of ourselves so that we can move on from it. So if that's a value, that's at least something that um, caught my mind this year in terms of this reading. I think it gets at a really huge question, which is what it means to engage with Jewish text or religious text or maybe some would call holy text like like is is it that the content that we are reading needs to should be morally supportable content and that the what we are gaining by doing this is sort of gleaning teachings from a text that are good if that's the case then this, then I'm really uncomfortable doing that exercise with chapter 18 because I, I I think that it's not morally good. And entering into a relationship with this text where the idea is I am moving myself forward as a person through the through what this text is teaching me and the way I would learn from a teacher, like I'm not comfortable with that. If what makes a text special or worthwhile is that Regardless of whether you agree with it or not, it can deepen your relationship with the world. It can, it can cause you to be a better version of you. Then I think engaging with this text is really important, especially on Yom Kippur for all the reasons you said. And I often talk to people about my own relationship with various texts in Judaism. And my, my least favorite ones aren't the ones that I disagree with most. My least favorite texts are the ones that I just don't have anything to say about, uh, which does happen. As I'm a rabbinical student, I, like technically, if I'm a, like I'm never going to be able to say like up. Oh, I just don't have any thoughts on this. I'll have to say something if I have to give a spiel. But um, but sometimes I don't have anything, um, and those texts are not that interesting to me. Um, when I really hate a text, I, I, this text has directly been used to uh, to deeply injure people that I care about, um, that text, uh, I don't see, like, to me, I can engage with that and grow through it in a way that some neutral text I could. And because I don't come into the relationship with this text with the assumption that I'm going to like it, 
um, in terms of what it's saying. So I do agree with you that engaging with chapter 18 is a worthwhile and important exercise. That said, for those who do opt for chapter 19 or whose custom it's been to do that for whatever reason, we wanted to give a little a little bit of an addendum related to that chapter. That's that's what people often will do if they don't read chapter 18 in their community. The reform movement um, has that as their custom and many Reconstructionist congregations also. And chapter 19 is where we have one of the most famous statements in the Torah, which is, which is love your neighbor as yourself. And I think that it's almost too obvious how relevant, I don't feel like I'm saying anything too insightful when I say that on Yom Kippur, this can be a valuable text to look at. Um, maybe that's why it was chosen as the alternate to chapter 18 is that really it it dovetails incredibly well because on Yom Kippur, we are in the midst of this exercise of thinking very deeply about ourselves and where we have failed. And if we are able to forgive ourselves on that front and we accept the premise that we love our neighbors as ourselves, then as a result, as a corollary, we would we would therefore be able to forgive our neighbors. One thing that I do, I just want to go back and talk about um, in, in terms of 18 is that that, that line about um, same-sex relationships, I, I want to note that it, it it can also be reinterpreted in ways that, that, and has been in ways that maybe don't make it mean what it appears to mean. And, and I have great respect for that. And there's also a school of thought that says certain kinds of lines can be removed from the Torah. Um, you know, even the Talmud gives, gives uh, permission for that in certain extreme cases. And even if those things were done, I still think it would be valuable on Yom Kippur to confront that text in its most raw form uh, as a sin, you know, and, I, and I, so I just I want to put out there, that, you know, as one mm. of many options. Um, in terms of the question of uh, love their neighbor as yourself, I mean, you know, again, like it's, it, it feels like all the more dramatic to think about that line in contrast with the line from Leviticus 18. Because that seems like such a failure to live up to love your neighbor as yourself. And um, that it becomes even more dramatic to see a few verses later the idea of love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, I, I don't know, I guess for me in, in thinking about that, like one of the challenges that it feels like it places before me is that um, I feel empowered to use a line like that to look back at the rest of the lines in the Torah that um don't conform to it and to challenge myself and to say, you know, is there a way in which maybe I'm misunderstanding those other lines? Because, uh, you know, Rabbi Akiva said, love your neighbors yourself is the greatest commandment in the Torah, right? Everything else is is, is a commentary to it or is a version of it, right? And, and so if that's the case, then can I try to give myself a challenge to try to interpret everything else in light of you should love your neighbors yourself? Or alternatively, does that give me license to uh, dispense with stuff that doesn't conform to that, you know, to that greatest principle. And and again, I, I think that as we move forward and ask ourselves these questions of um, as we have this cycle of the year that we think of as not only our own personal penitence, our own personal reflection, but, but a sense of reflection about Judaism itself, that these are some of the questions that that I feel we're we're permitted and 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 I would say we should start to feel encouraged to make every year and to really ask ourselves at least once a year let's look hard in the mirror uh, in the communal mirror in the in the mirror of Judaism as a whole and and ask ourselves maybe this year is time to to do some work. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And that's going to be the closing thought for this reflection on the Torah reading for Yom Kippur afternoon. And we hope that you will listen to all the other readings that we've recorded thoughts on. And you can find those at JudaismUnbound.com under High Holidays Unbound in our Listen and Learn track or on iTunes, Google Play, whichever, whichever podcast location you like to use. So with that, this has been Judaism Unbound.